part one chapter four of the cosmopolitan from two sides of a question by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part one inland chapter four three days passed they brought nothing new each was a repetition of the other each merged itself in whist no relief came from the outside world the outside world must have found out long ago that it was not worth while driving many miles to call on the tancreds three days at coton manor would have been trying to anyone to durant they were intolerable for limbs that had roamed the world to be tucked up under the colonel's whist table for a mind equally vigorous and vagrant to be tied to the apron strings of the colonel's intellect was really a refinement of torture thrice durant had tried to find an exit into the surrounding landscape and thrice the colonel had been too quick for him he hovered perpetually round him he watched his goings out and his comings in there was no escaping his devilish ingenuity while durant was looking for a stick or a hat he would secure him softly by the arm and lead him out for a stroll he would say my dear durant the women are all very well in their way but it is a luxury to have another man to talk to he talked to durant leaning towards him lover-like with the awful passion of the boar for his victim these strolls extended over several miles without taking them beyond the bounds of coton manor durant began to disbelieve in the existence of a world beyond coton manor had swallowed up the county it seemed to have opened its gates and swallowed him up too he told himself that he had done nothing to deserve his doom he was not more selfish or more exacting than other men he was not sensual he had not made mere physical pleasure his being's end and aim he had been content with a somewhat negative ideal the mere avoidance of boredom he never struggled or argued with it but whenever and wherever he met it he had simply packed his portmanteau and gone away this repugnance of his had entailed endless travelling but durant was a born traveller hitherto his life had been free from any care beyond the trouble of avoiding trouble but he had been lax in this matter of coton manor he had had reason enough to suppose that the visit would bring him face to face with the thing he feared and he had rushed into the adventure with open arms and now this horror that he had eluded so successfully for seven years he was to know more intimately than his own soul he was to sound all the depths beyond depths of boredom he had stayed in dull places before but their dullness struck him now as naif and entertaining by comparison other people lapsed helplessly into dullness at coton manor they cultivated it they kept it up what was worse they took it for granted in other people it never seemed to occur to miss tancred or the colonel that maurice durant could be interesting that he had done anything worth mentioning not that he was sensitive to their opinion it was simply that this attitude of theirs appealed unpleasantly to his imagination giving it a cold foretaste of extinction it was as if his flaming intellectual youth with all its achievements had been dropped into the dark where such things are forgotten at coton manor his claim to distinction rested on the fact that he was the colonel's godson the colonel had appropriated absorbed him swallowed him up the fact that durant was lapped in material comfort only intensified his spiritual pangs the tancreds were rich and their wealth was not of to-day or yesterday 
they had the dim golden tone the deep opulence of centuries and they were generous they gave him of their best so that besides being bored he had the additional discomfort of feeling himself a bit of a brute as he lay awake night after night in his luxurious bed he wondered how he ever got there what on earth had induced him to accept that invitation he cursed his infernal rashness his ungovernable optimism he had spent half his life in jumping at conclusions and at things and the other half in jumping away from them however difficult the backward leap he had jumped at the colonel's invitation to tell the truth he would have jumped at anybody's at the time when he came back from his travels he had found himself a stranger in his own country in every place he touched he had left new friends most agreeably disconsolate at his departure he supposed rashly again that the old ones would be overjoyed at his return as it happened his reception in england was not cold exactly but temperate like the climate and durant had found both a little trying after the fervours and ardours of the south the poor fellow had spent his first week at home in hansoms rushing passionately from one end of london to the other looking up his various acquaintance he was disappointed not to say disgusted with the result maurice durant was always disgusted when other people failed to come up to his expectations his best friends were out of town his second best were only too much in it many of them had abjured art and taken to stiff collars and conventions he called on these at their offices they were all diabolically busy in the morning and insufferably polite in the afternoon they had flung him a nod or a smile or a glad to see you back again old fellow and turned from him with a preoccupied air he remembered them as they were seven years ago when they were all bohemians together they had no manners good or bad in those days those young men they called you by strange names they posed you in peculiar attitudes and made abominable caricatures of your noble profile but they would lend or borrow a five-pound note with equal readiness they would give you a supper and a shake-down at any time of the night or morning now it seemed they thought twice about asking you to dinner if indeed they thought about it at all so durant had been pleasantly surprised at his godfather's genial letter why bless his little heart the old boy had actually pressed him to stay for a fortnight well how was he to get through that fortnight he decided that he would not get through it at all he kept himself awake devising schemes for his liberation he would find some business to take him up to town to-morrow or if he could not find it he would invent it he would send himself a telegram and then against his will his mind began running on miss tancred as he had been possessed by the ideal so now he was haunted by the reality it had a horrible fascination for him he wondered if miss tancred had ever been young he wondered if miss tancred had ever made a joke he wondered if miss tancred had ever been in love this third idea was so incongruous so impossible that at last he found himself dallying with it for the mere extravagant humour of the thing if he had only been able to make himself agreeable to miss tancred for miss tancred if she had the will had certainly the power to help him the unhappy young man had made a careful inspection of the stables to see if there was a lingering chance for him there the sleek bays that brought him from the station impossible the colonel's cob a creature too safe to be exciting and yes there was miss tancred's mare the sight of the fiery little beast dancing in her stall 
had affected him with an uncontrollable desire to ride her the groom not without sympathy had interpreted his longing glances there's a many cast sheep's eyes at that there mare sir but it'd be as much as my place is worth sir to let you or any other gentleman get atop of her nobody lays a hand on that animal but miss tancred miss tancred's orders sir he might have known it miss tancred was good for nothing not even for the loan of a mount miss tancred seemed aware that nothing was expected from her and kept conscientiously out of his way he saw nothing of her from breakfast till dinner-time and the evening when she appeared as his official partner in the game of whist what became of her in the meanwhile he did not know he could only vaguely conjecture she seemed to vanish to lose herself in the vast workings of coton manor or in that vaster entity the colonel by the fourth day durant's irritable mood had changed to resignation if he could not altogether adopt mrs fazakerly's attitude and smile pleasantly into the jaws of dullness he consented to be bored to death with a certain melancholy grace he had made a dash for freedom he had actually started first thing in the morning with his sketching block and easel and was congratulating himself on his benignant chance when as he sneaked round a corner of the house the colonel stepped out upon him from a side window there was one hope for him rain had fallen overnight and the little gentleman was as yet in his slippers he was feeling the damp gravel like a fastidious cat aha said he in the tone of joyful encounter and what do you propose to do with yourself this morning durant looked at his host with a sad reproachful gaze from which all bitterness had departed he had felt inclined to reply that he proposed to commit suicide as it was he only said he thought of trying to sketch something the colonel seemed a little offended at the proposal it certainly implied that durant had more confidence in his own resources than in those of the house so that's your fad is it i think we can do better for you than that and as durant had calculated he skipped back into the house and before he could return with his boots on durant by another miracle of chance or his own cunning had contrived his escape he made his way up a slight slope whence he could see far over the landscape what he had as yet seen was not inspiring the heavy full-blown charm of the midlands in july lonely without any of the poetry of loneliness as he looked about him he realized again that he was in the heart of the country the great slow passionless heart whose pulses are interminable hours if you loved nature as durant loved her for her sex with its divine caprices its madness and its mystery you will be disappointed with wickshire in wickshire mother nature is no dubious aphrodite she is indissolubly married to man and behaves like an ordinary british matron comely and correct durant saw in the immediate foreground a paddock dotted with young firs each in a ring fence beyond the paddock a field of buttercups shining with a polished gleam beyond the buttercups a horizon of trees before him to the south-east soaring above the roofs of whitthorn in arden a church spire pointed the way to heaven beyond that travelling low above the railway cutting a thin line of smoke indicated the way into the world behind him were more trees the green crescent of the woods with the white front of coton manor shining in their arms like a heavy foolish face he had no patience with the landscape with this nature trimmed and tamed these shaven meadows and clean-cut hedges 
and little rectangular plantations it was a typical english landscape a landscape most unnecessarily draped where the bosom of the hills was always covered and the very elms were muffled to their feet a landscape destitute of passion and sensual charm a landscape like miss tancred miss tancred he no longer felt any wild resentment against that poor girl he had learned to judge her leniently if you live with bores you inevitably become a bore at the same time he admitted that she was doing her best not to bore him meanwhile he transferred his hatred to her surroundings this young man had no philosophy beyond the general impression that the universe was under infinite obligations to be good to him a belief that had found itself rather rudely shaken he chose his view and pitched his easel and relieved himself by one deep metaphysical soul-satisfying curse at the devilry of things then he set to work and with the instinct of a born painter he tried to find possibilities in the despised landscape before long he had discovered mystery in the woods that lifted their heavy rounded contours to the sky gathered and massed and piled on one another like clouds deep mystery in their green green drenched with liquid and aerial grey pierced by thick black veins and hollowed into caverns of darkness and blue dust and though he knew that he was tying himself to the place by taking it seriously in an hour's time he was absorbed and happy he was startled by a voice behind him do you think that it's so very beautiful he turned round miss tancred stood looking over his shoulders not at him nor at his sketch but at the distant prospect it's nice and open he answered absently open wait till you've lived in it to me it's like living with all the doors shut too many woods perhaps and yet there's always a charm about a wooded country it's english yes and like everything english it's much too serious too conventional too she paused for her epithet too disgustingly rich he was more startled than ever she had put his own feeling about it into words and then it's so painfully proper and respectable look at those ridiculous trees in their petticoats english to a degree ah if you've been abroad i haven't been abroad proud insular boast i wasn't boasting i was stating a fact well you've some cause to boast not to have been abroad is distinction nowadays if it comes to that i've never been out of this county except to london now and then you wouldn't think it he smiled for it happened to be precisely what he had thought it explained her somehow he recognized in miss tancred the incurable provincial to be sure her sentiments were somewhat at variance with her character an inconsistency not unusual in woman all he said was it is a little extraordinary he was wondering when she was going to go she did not go i'm glad you've discovered something to do here it must be so deadly dull he found relief in ambiguity i am never dull adding irrelevantly it's a glorious view she brightened visibly if you like i can show you a better one than this it's not so very far she hesitated we might go to-morrow perhaps though it wouldn't be very amusing i'm afraid again he felt a touch of compunction she had so clearly grasped the situation she was so evidently sorry for him so conscientious even if mistaken in her efforts to make amends that he found her positively pathetic he answered humbly that he would be delighted if she would be so good 
then conscientiously again she left him he watched her tall figure departing with energetic strides and he decided that miss tancred was not so bad out of doors but that she needed a large background the next morning he had the grace to remind her of her promise they started at a rapid pace durant left the paraphernalia of his art behind him by way of intimating delicately that the hour was hers miss tancred was evidently prepared for vigorous walking she was dressed suitably and inoffensively in brown holland she took him up a long gradually rising hill to where a group of firs stood on an isolated mound here miss tancred paused with tilted profile sniffing the ambient air this she said is the highest point in the county there is always a fresh breeze here to-day you can smell the sea impossible we must be right in the very centre of england about a hundred miles from the nearest coast you can hear it then shut your eyes and listen he obeyed the wind moved and the firs gave out their voice he opened his eyes and glanced at miss tancred she was leaning up against a fir her eyes looked straight past him into the distance the wind had loosened the hair about her forehead her lips were parted her eyes shone there was an eagerness in her face he had not yet seen there it was as if a dead woman had been suddenly made alive before him she was gazing and listening if you've never been out of wickshire where have you heard the sea she answered curtly i don't know where i've heard it then added as if by way of apology for her manner do you like it immensely then you must come up whenever you want to you can always be alone here she spoke as if she were giving him the freedom of her private sanctuary have you any sketches of those places you've been to abroad sketches oh any amount have you brought them with you he blushed he had brought many sketches in the hope of showing them to a wealthy godfather and an admiring god-sister some a few i wish you'd show them to me i shall be delighted he blushed again this time for pleasure with a desire to bestow a little of it he asked rashly do you sketch miss tancred i saw some water-colours oh they were my mother's i do nothing oh i see they were going home now i was wondering what on earth you found to do here i a great many things business chiefly my father is secretary to the primrose league i write all his letters for him well that's one way of being secretary to the primrose league the usual way i think secretaries generally have under-secretaries haven't they my father dictates durant smiled he could see him doing it what else does colonel tancred do oh he does no end of things all the business of the estate and he speaks at meetings everywhere he has lectured it was pathetic her eagerness to vindicate his intellect to record his achievements to convince durant that she was proud of him not to let him see for the rest of the way she was silent the light died out of her eyes with every turning and by the time they had reached coton manor miss tancred was herself again at whist that evening nobody was pleased the colonel looked sulky and offended possibly at durant's disaffection durant was moodier than ever and even mrs fazakerly seemed depressed miss tancred remained imperturbable and indifferent she won every trick without turning a hair but when it was all over she left the table abruptly she was visibly distressed mrs fazakerly gazed after her with an affectionate stare she turned to durant for goodness sake she whispered say something nice to her 
for the life of him durant could think of nothing nice to say beyond congratulating her on her success in the accursed game mrs fazakerly chimed in with or without a partner miss tancred wins i always win so i imagine does mr durant and why should i always win you you win because you care nothing about the game end of part one chapter four recording by expatriate in bangor maine